podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. Never in the history of footballing conflict have so many toys been thrown out of so few prams by so many adults. Football, it seemed to me, had reached its very nadir until 74-year-old boy king, King Prince Charles, stepped into the breach, claiming, I will be your leader. The king's speech, all uh, unstutteringly completed, including an undertaking to set up an independent regulator for football, which is what we've been banging on about for years and years and years. Well, three years. And of course, there's no guarantee that they'll have any real power, as works always with regulators. And I refer you to off what and our rivers full of shit. Um, We'll need a strong, a strong voice, I'm thinking, to to represent us. And I'm proposing you, Chris. I think you should. Yeah, yeah. I think you should be the independent football (laughs) regulator. I think you'd be great. Is Gary Neville not available? No, it's got to be you. And I'd like (laughs) to think of you turning up at grounds unannounced, but they are they are obligated to let you in. And and then you you come with a gang of lads. I'm thinking your four sons. You know, just to intimidate a bit. And then you turn up and you go, yeah. I am the regulator. Yeah, I I I can't even independent regulator. I can't even regulate the number of sons that I have. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be great. Well, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, 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 you right. in many ways are my regulator, Chris. <laughs> oh, no. The responsibility, the burden. <laughs> yes. Well, that, you know, you've got to take it on. You've got to take it on. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll come to the independent regulator in a little while. In the meantime, yeah. I was delighted to hear uh, a line from one of your very finest anecdotes surfacing in the football news this week. Did you hear that? Um, you no. know, going back to Spurs, where he spent so many successful years, Maurizio Pochettino was asked whether he might accidentally go into the uh, wrong dugout, like Ron Atkinson. And he went, Mr. Bean. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, which and depressingly, all the assembled sports press corps went. No, that's Rowan Atkinson. Not one of them strung uh, him oh, along yeah. for no. even a nanosecond. How and, fantastic! And none of them went. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Bean. When he was a football manager, yeah, uh, what similarities are there between his style of management and yours? Do you think Bean would get the best out of Nicholas Jackson, um, for instance? And what about when he made his teddy bear left back? Is that something you'd consider? Yeah. None of them did that. It was the and, biggest and, fucking open goal, and none exactly. of them did it. They no, all just went, that, no, no, that's Rowan no, Atkinson. Yeah, and they complain <laughs> about players missing open goals. I'd like the idea of Mr. Bean being very good in a multinational dressing room because he doesn't actually speak in any language at all he just does grunts and and, and uh, no no he, ju- he just says that he just says plit plop and plit plop <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so, exactly so. and one of the things i was very uh, th- th- this is a story that i like for so many reasons first of all i like the fact that the question was put at all okay yeah. but it was a, a question to pope francis um who's uh, currently <laughs> top pope you know he's, he's he's got the top job yes. at the moment apparently and he yeah. was asked <laughs> he was asked unbelievable who he preferred Maradona or Messi? Okay. okay. This is a question to, you know, the head of the Catholic Church. Um, yes. uh, and he went brilliantly for Pele, um, which wasn't one of the <laughs> options available. And Ronaldo has renounced his Catholic faith now because <laughs> he wasn't even in the shortlist. But isn't that a fantastic thing? Oh, poor Ronaldo. Because we used to have a footballing pope, didn't we, for many years, a former goalkeeper. We did. The Polish um, keeper. Polish yeah. goalkeeper, yeah. Uh. Which is ironic because we had both a, we had both had a, a goalkeeper who was the head of the Catholic Church and also a goalkeeper who was a key existentialist in Albert Camus, and so it just shows you that goalkeeping, you know, it it, it bestrides the world of philosophy and religion. <laughs> it does. And speaking of, uh, of of disciplines, intellectual disciplines, a uh, bit of football maths. Um, so Bayern beat Dortmund who beat Newcastle, who beat Arsenal, who beat Manchester City. So football maths says that City would definitely lose to Zabrucken. That's maths. That's football maths. You can't argue yeah, yeah. with that. That's logic, and, that is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Harry Kane got a hat-trick, didn't he, in De Classica, 
for Bayern. And so apparently, according to articles, we'll now definitely get 50 goals this season. That's football maths. That's football maths. That's football maths. You can't argue with football maths. It's the internal logic of the football fan (laughs) and a little touching look at statistics. Talking of Harry Kane, I read, which I was rather enjoying, the fact that he has done very well at Bayern, but I'm surprised because I've seen that he's run up a £1 million hotel bill since he's what? been there. And I'll tell you what, that's a lot of porn. That is a <laughs> lot of porn he's been watching there. Yeah, and sorry, that's just getting porn people to come round to your room and do it in front of you, isn't it? That's not... Yeah, that's not thought, like... yeah, yes, but of course, it's uh, slightly less dangerous. Um, so, yeah, that's all I, all I could really think, because I'm a man of simple taste, all I could really think was yeah. minibar and porn. That's what he spent the million quid on. <laughs> that, uh, at the very least, that's not a minibar. That's at the very least, that's a bar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely right. Um, but my my big thing for the week, and it's something that only I only found out today, is of course today is a massive day for the Twin Worlds. Two of your great passions, Chris, of literature and football, because okay. this week Excellent. is the week I like to think of it as tackle week. Because this okay. week, and on the day that this podcast comes out, is the day that Jilly Cooper's new bonk buster set in the world of football called Tackle comes out. And oh. I've just had, I, I found, literally found this out this afternoon. I've already I've pre-ordered it on Kindle, and I promise you, I'll take one for the team. I'm going to review this book next week. But in the meantime, I'd like to encourage any of our listeners to play with me, and I haven't started reading it yet, um, Jilly Cooper Tackle Bingo, in which, which phrase <laughs> do they think we'll turn up? And I've, I've written down a couple. I'm thinking, uh, screwing studs sounds good to me, uh, is one. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> man on, she cried. Um, <laughs> he suggested they swapped shirts later. That's it. That's bound to come up, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. here's a traditional one. A professional footballer, eh? I'll be expecting 45 minutes each way and a brass band at half time. As you will <laughs> the classics. <laughs> so please, 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 please send in your, your suggestions if you can be bothered to. I was going to say treat us, but you, that isn't true. But I can't say exus because it just sounds like a play from one of the shuffles. No, leave us. Leave us forever. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to put an, I'd like to put some money on an outside on an outside bet for uh, Bullsack. Bullsack ball sack in there somewhere. Bull, that Bullsack. Yeah. He, and he scored, of course. And also well, scored, one of the, yeah. Uh, Lethal yeah, in the box. Le- and Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So dangerous <laughs> in the box, even. I, yeah. I also went for Pat Jennings couldn't have got his hands around them. Um, which is a possibility, <laughs> but, but but when I did read the, I read the the blurb for it, and uh, she's very skillfully um, kept Rupert Campbell Black, her hero from her riders' stories, in, okay. and has him now owning a football club, um, uh, okay. encouraged by his daughter Bianca, who wants to return to her home county of. Would you like to guess? Uh, Dorset, Rutshire. Uh... Oh, Russia. Oh, it's a made-up Ru- county. I didn't know that. Russia. Russia. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> Russia. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward you to it. You see, I haven't, book. I haven't, yeah, I haven't um, indulged. Have you in not? Are you, Although, are you unfamiliar uh, with her oeuvre? <laughs> yeah, I am. Although a friend of mine did uh, point me in the direction of um, a thing called a Christmas Appeal, which is a, a murder mystery, uh, which takes place during the pa- a, a pantomime, an amateur pantomime and Uh uh, the people are discussing the characters are discussing uh, uh, their previous production uh, which was of an evening with Gary Lineker which is described in the pages of this book as a so-called comedy (laughs) in this particular case you cannot be thought of as an independent regulator no no that's right and and, uh, there's there's reference to the character of Gary Lineker being played by a 76 year old woman who didn't really like him (laughs) so you know there's a a thing for you to there's a thing for you to to chew on but but in 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 the real world in the real world of football, well, Chris, yeah, in the as real I world. said, I've been ill and I haven't seen a lot of football. You, you, well, you, I'll, ta- I'll talk you through it. I'll talk you through some of the football. Yeah. But 
but um, I, I, I was taken by um, Graham Souness saying that the Saudi Pro League is so poor that he could still play, <laughs> which I like very much. Graham was on holiday in Portugal, got to watch some Saudi football because apparently it's on television there. And he was stunned, he said, by the level. He said he could understand why only 696 people turned up to watch it, despite the powerful star wattage of Jordan Henderson. He said the games were really difficult to watch and got him thinking, I could do half an hour there <laughs> as an ageing central midfielder. I'm making myself available. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know what's going to happen in the future? Nearly everybody will claim to have been one of those 696 <laughs> that went to that game. It's like Glastonbury. No, I, I, Woodstock, I should say, uh, uh, yeah. in fact. Um, talk, talking about commentary just very quickly, one of my favourite uh, comments that I did here, because I watched the Stoke game, and then I think yeah. I watched some of a, a, a championship game on the Sunday morning, but wasn't feeling great by then. And, uh, and I heard the phrase, which I loved, he's given himself the eyes. He's given himself the eyes. He's give, yeah, he's given himself the eyes. He's looked at the far corner and then he's yeah. put it there. And he's, belie- he's believed himself. <laughs> he's believed himself he's and he's put it there and the keeper's read it, you know. He's given himself well, that, the eyes. That sounds like one for, for Jilly Cooper to use. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and there was some more um, more little bit of Saudi news. Do you see that Nuno Espirito Santo, the former Wolves and Spurs boss, although he's at Wolves for four years and at Spurs for about 15 minutes, but in the headlines he's former Spurs boss, obviously, um, has been sacked by Saudi club Al-Itihad, who he took to the double last season uh, amid reports of a, a difficult relationship with Karim Benzema. So he's going to fit right in in the, in the sitcom, <laughs> isn't he? Yes, <laughs> Awkward Karim Benzema. Not only a black, a convicted blackmailer, but also difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's. Uh... Um, and um, so his last game, I mean, you can see why uh, why they would have uh, got shot of him because his last game was a defeat to Air Force Club of Iraq in the Asian Champions League. And I think if you can't beat Air Force Club of Iraq, then really, you know. The writing's on the wall, isn't it? You say that, you know, I think there's a sort of traditional thing there because I I, I was very pleased to see that Charlton drew with uh, Cray Valley Paper Mills this week. Yes, um, they did. Which is the magic thing. of the and cup. Just, yeah, which brought me brought me brought back to mind for me Billingham Sinfonia and Middlesbrough Ionopolis and Prescott Cables and all of those yeah. sort of teams uh, yeah, that yeah, you, know, yeah, you yeah, would yeah, regularly expect to be in the first round draw of the FA Cup. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, very pleased. But also in Saudi, of course, they've, 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 they're and talking of of, of uh, Nunez Spirito Santo. Um, Wool, uh, uh, sorry, not talking of him at all. Yes, you'll give him. And talking of Nuno Spirito Santo, who was who signed Ruben Nevers for Wolves and Ruben Nevers yes. then went to Saudi. And now what are they doing? Sure enough, as, as again was predicted by the cynics amongst us, i.e. us, <laughs> uh, that they'll end up being able to get these players. Well, yeah, with Eddie Howe fretting about fatigue in his Newcastle squad and Sandro Tonali uh, being banned until next season because of his gambling habit, it must be tremendously encouraging for Eddie Howe to, uh, that the Saudi owners of the club have a brilliant idea how to help out. Um, and it seems that, yes, Ruben Nevers, who they bought off Wolves and placed with Al-Hilal, isn't settling in Saudi Arabia and would be up for being loaned to Newcastle. And how handy would that be? A goal-scoring playmaker with a Premier League pedigree. And of course, this has set off alarm bells and the Premier League is currently, the other Premier League clubs currently scrambling to see if they can create some new rules to prevent stuff like this from happening, which is basically what they've been doing since the Saudi takeover of Newcastle, is yeah, these rules aren't, aren't, there's not enough of them. We no, need more because, rules. Exactly. So because, because what they suddenly realise is that the, the, the parent company that own Newcastle own all of the teams in Saudi Arabia because they, well, they own, own the, the league. They, they own the players is the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Because it's because what they when when someone signs a big money deal, like you know your Neymar or your uh, your Benzema or Sadio Mane, they're not signed by these clubs. They're signed by the Saudi Public Investment Fund, and the Saudi Public Investment Fund places them with one of the clubs that they uh, they yeah, own. Yeah, There's yeah. four of them, I think. Uh, and it's 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 like having a having a competition amongst him themselves. You know, um, yeah. and now, of course, with the Premier League, there are what's called associated party transaction rules uh, that you know that that might come into play here. But at the moment, they only cover permanent transfers; they don't cover loan deals. Which is how, when pressed on this possibility, Newcastle sporting director Dan Ashworth could say, "There's currently 
being the operative word, nothing to prevent it. Um, you know, and when the, when the Saudis bought Newcastle, there was a rush to make new rules to stop them from making inflated commercial. This was the first thing they thought would happen. Inflated commercial deals with Saudi entities to sidestep profit and sustainability rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, previously trading as financial fair play. Um, City obviously continue to deny that they do anything like this to sneak Abu Dhabi money in. And one day we'll find that out. We'll find out if that case ever gets anywhere before everyone involved dies and football has re- been replaced in the world's affections by anti-gravity rollerball. But um, Newcastle were obliged to demonstrate, for instance, that the fee they got uh, for Alain Saint-Maximin was uh, legitimately and reasonable market value so that Saudi aren't just pumping money in. But uh, it's not, it's at the moment, applying to loan deals. Um, And they ought to have seen this coming, really, because the way the Saudis operate is the thing that hasn't been legislated for. Um, The PIF buys the players and then places them with the club. So they're really the boss of Ruben Neves, and they're the ones who would make the loan, not Al-Hilal. They would would, would facilitate this this loan. And third-party ownership's come up before, hasn't it? I mean, certain management companies owned South American players a while back until that was outlawed. Um, I think it was very much the the plan of Oldham's Moroccan uh, former agent owner that that he would be able to do this and shift players around from various entities that he was involved with. But even but even even decades ago, um, um, uh, Derby getting uh, Dean Saunders from Oxford when um, the Maxwells, the Maxwells. Yeah, had, yeah. had 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 a, a foot in both camp, which is I tell you what is a big stride. Um, but you know, <laughs> that, I think the trouble is. And this is what's going to be interesting about the the regulator, which we'll talk about in a bit, is that they will always... The trouble with regulation is it means anything that they haven't thought of is fine. You know, anything that they can come up with to do, that's fine. Doesn't say it. Doesn't say it in the rules. Doesn't say anything about that. No, well, exactly. This is what the Newcastle guy is saying. It's currently... Yeah. Fine to do yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there have been, obviously, as you say, with with Derby and Oxford. And uh, Watford used to borrow players from Udinese, didn't they, when they were all owned? Yeah. And Granada, when they were all owned by the Pozzos. And that was a little plan a, a while ago to have have a uh, a stable of, of clubs well, that you could. It's Bowley's plan, isn't it? It's a it's yeah. Bowley ball. Well, I, but, I, remember um, Watford, I remember Watford signing Jack Duckworth from Granada, you know, and that both ruined <laughs> Coronation Street and Watford, you know. So it doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Football League change its rules as a result of that that blockbuster transfer all those years ago. Uh, but there was also, do you remember, um, a very odd deal when uh, Frank Lampard went from Chelsea to uh, to New York City, the City yes. Football Group MLS franchise, uh, via a whole year of playing for Manchester City, either on loan or on some sort of short-term contract, or were New York just using news of his signing uh, to sell season tickets? You know, and it was a confusing business the Lampard uh, the Lampard one because of the joint ownership thing I think but there's I think, a, but the, I think the PIF thing is is unique in in uh, oh, football history yeah. at the moment it's not it's not covered uh, but they've got until the transfer, January transfer window the transfer window the January transfer window uh, to sort to sort out something to sort out some blocking thing otherwise you know Callum Wilson gets injured uh, do you want Sadio Mane you know Alexander um, Isak gets of course, injured of course, you know of course and, and and the thing is this is a phrase that now can never be used in football again is the is the defense of it was an innocent mistake because you know full well they've got people <laughs> pouring over contracts and rules and yeah. regulations to make sure they can find a way through it and what's also starting to become quite an inter- well interesting from the outside is the fact that, that you have this sort of block of <laughs> it's Eastern. the best place to be <laughs> yeah yeah please please god let me stay here uh, yeah. it's cold out Side. I'm happy. I like being cold. <laughs> um, the, you've got the you've got the in the eastern investors who money means nothing to at all, and you've got the western investors, the, the Americans, to whom money is the only thing that that yeah, is is, yeah. is important. And it's it's a strange old um, uh, sort of dichotomy, polarization of, of of the way it works. But either way, they're all looking for a way to get their own aims through. 
Well, they are, and and you know the the uh, the Todd Bowley people who own, own Chelsea were, were obliged to um, make it clear that they weren't in league with PIF at all, with Saudi PIF at all. But they did make money out of uh, Kante that helped them with their their um, financial fair play, their profit and sustainability uh, status, and uh, ironically, that's why Wolves were so keen to sell Ruben Nevers in the first place, is because of their uh, PSR. Uh, status and yeah. Al Hilal apparently the uh, Nevis's club are lining up Graham Souness as a replacement for Ruben Nevis, which would be fun. Uh, so. I, I, uh, yes, and uh, just talking about uh, <laughs> the despicable, so didn't it? <laughs> despicable, yes. No, 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 no. Graham Souness that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I, I was just thinking. Um, I was just thinking about the. Uh, the shameless way in which in which a lot of these people go about things, and 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 you mentioned to me, but I'd seen anyway with, about UEFA, who a week after the Ballon d'Or have decided, yeah, we'll have that, we'll have the yeah, Ballon yeah. d'Or, won't we? Yeah, well, we'll yeah, the Ballon d'Or gets a little bit of criticism because it because it's very uh, very Franco-centric, isn't it? It's very sort of uh, the France football thing. Um, and a lot of people started. We're saying after the uh, the ceremony last week, although you know Lionel Messi. You know, you arguably had a very strong season, had a very strong year. Um, a lot of people were saying that the FIFA Best Awards were better, um, and UEFA's ears have pricked up, and they thought, "Well, you know, we can we can do that. We'll take that over now. That European football that should be ours." You know, so step aside, French football. I was, I was, I've been reading quite a lot about that. I mean, you know, to me. The Ballon d'Or and the FIFA Best and all that mean absolutely nothing at all. But but I was reading an article saying that and actually in Europe, they, you know, they, these are quite these are big. These are a big deal, you know. That 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 I suppose it's like Eurovision, isn't it? In many ways, you know. You know, once you stop winning it, it you're not bothered about it anymore. To tell you the honest truth, um, but um, I th- I do you know I think Cliff Richard would have another go if you asked him. But still, never mind. Uh, what, what him and Graham Souness? Together, yeah, doing together, diamond yeah. lights. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm up for it. Let's go for that. Let's go for that. Um, just uh, one other thing on, on the Ballon d'Or was uh, I am indebted again to our listener, Brian Shepherd, for suggesting for the uh, for the Messi, the Messi and Ronaldo sitcom that Messi returns home to find that Ronaldo has taken all of his Ballon d'Or and left them at different charity shops across Riyadh. And Messi has to go out looking for them while Ronaldo sits self-satisfied with a Cornetto on his uh, on, on, on his sunbed. And I also quite like the idea of Messi phoning up and going, oh, my name L A Messi, a bit like J R Hartley. J R Hartley, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And is he? Yeah. Get, and is Messi going to be cheesed off that he has to pay seventy-five, the equivalent of seventy-five pence, to get it back? <laughs> yes, that, it, that can work either way. That's one of the joys of it. Yeah. It can work. It's too expensive. It's too, that's perfect. Or you find that Robert Lewandowski bought them anyway. Whatever. I- I wonder what a charity shop looks like in Riyadh. I, I don't wonder. think they have them, to tell you the honest truth. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't want to say you know. There's no charity there, but no charity no. shops. I imagine oh, that because right. uh, yeah. your charity shop really need really needs high, uh, 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 a proper high street shop a to have presence. closed down, doesn't it? It needs. It, does. it needs to have. It, it needs somewhere to to squat. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, they also, they, they not only have charity shops, they have faith shops and hope shops as well, which we will never know ah. what they are until we go and visit during the World Cup in 2034. No, and, and which, uh, which, is the, which is the best of the three. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the uh, independent regulator at the beginning. And, and uh, when, we, when I was uh, lining up to talk about this, I didn't realise I was going to be applying for the job. But still... Uh, you know, pretty much as long as we've been doing this show, there have been calls for an independent regulator for football. And this week, there was some sort of confirmation, some sort of half-assed confirmation uh, exactly. that the necessary <laughs> legislation might be introduced during this parliamentary session after it was announced in the King's speech, which is an unusual step, you might say. This is what you might do if you really don't want anybody to notice. Just stick it in the DVD extras of a 2011 Brit drama about a long-dead member of the royal family. I've willfully misunderstood that newsline. I know that 
I'm sorry about that. But it is, I guess it's a step in the right direction. Uh, although the government is struggling, getting walloped in every by-election and opinion poll. So it wouldn't really be a surprise to find that this has been kicked down the road and that the next parliamentary session is is curtailed somewhat and given over largely to electioneering. Uh, and, and so even saying this, um, Sunak is saying this is going to be Labour's problem. You know, but yeah. um, he's desperate for a crowd pleasing, pleasing headline, so he can say this, or rather, get the king to say it for him, without necessarily being committed to pushing on with it. Um, just a brief timeline will give you an idea of how slowly this has been grinding forward. <laughs> the Conservatives promised a fan-led review of football in their 2019 general election manifesto, basically three prime ministers ago, uh, on the back of the demise of Berry in the summer of that year, and it took two years for that fan-led review, which is chaired by former sports minister Tracy Crouch, to deliver that report, by which time there'd been the Super League, there'd been the COVID, there'd been the Saudi takeover of Newcastle. And so in November 2021, the review first recommended an independent regulator, which led to all the top clubs making noises about how this was going to make life too difficult for them, trying to cozy up to the EFL to try and forestall them pushing for it. And there's a new financial uh, arrangement in the offing, which, uh, which has been moving slightly quicker in which the Premier League hope will just shut the uh, Save the Pyramid talk up. Uh, and November last year, 29 clubs wrote to the government saying get on with it. February this year, there's supposed to be a white paper. Uh, there was a white paper uh, which was delayed. Something came out in September uh, and then nothing until this week when it was mentioned in the King's speech. And in the meantime, the situation at Bury has come perilously close to being repeated at South End, at Scunthorpe, at Oldham even, at uh, Sheffield Wednesday and Reading. Reading. And while the sound, uh, while the sound, yes, Reading. <laughs> Good. Uh, while the Saudi thing is really blown up, Reading. and there's still no, <laughs> there's still no uh, resu resolution of the cases against Everton and Manchester City. I pause there in case you said Reading again. Uh, actually, the Everton, th the Everton thing. There's been a leak today that? that they'll have a six-point um, deduction suspended for two years, as long as they've shown that they've made efforts to uh, correct okay. the financial irregularity. In other words, they've done exactly what they do every single time, which go, yeah. you know, we could take points off you. We won't, but we we could yeah, yeah. do. Yeah, it's yeah. always the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they did that to Reading, didn't they? And then they actually, or oh, was it South End? I can't remember, one of them, but where they had suspended uh, points induction that actually then kicked in. But um, we shall see how that goes. I mean, what they said, what the government have said is the regulator's narrow focus will be protecting the long term sustainability of clubs for the benefit of their fans and communities and help prevent the collapse of clubs, which basically means that's all that's all you're interested in. You're not you're not looking at anything else, not looking at any misbehavior, not looking at any. Uh, it's also supposedly will be able to stop clubs from forming breakaway leaks. But how it will do this is not. Not clear because the regulator won't have the power to sanction clubs for anything no punishments uh, in their in their weaponry at all punishments will remain entirely in the remit of the football association and the leagues so it will be independent and utterly toothless and yes. i as a man with teeth uh, would turn down the job frankly well uh, i think i think that's certainly the fear uh, definitely one. I just know that any, well, I say I know, I suspect that any independently um, set up regulatory body is not going to have the clout that Manchester City have or that Manchester United have or that Liverpool have or that Newcastle have. And that in the final analysis, um, the government are going to say the Premier League is a really, really great earner for our country and is something we should be proud of and let's not upset anybody. So, yes, I agree with you. That, that That's the terrible thing. The EFL are full of delight and the Premier League are just silent and consulting their lawyers because they know they'll get around it all. It's interesting what's happening in Spain where Barcelona seem to have actually been at least halted for a little bit. But for things that happened, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you know, they talk about statute of limitations. You know, it's uh, it's very difficult to do too much to them. They, they can do financial stuff, but 
but in terms of, of ridding them of of, of uh, league titles and things like that, which makes you start to think that the Italians are probably the most honest of the lot, because at least they have relegated the big teams occasionally, and and uh, and and taken put proper points off them and relegated them two divisions sometimes. You know, and we always think, oh, Italian football is so incredibly corrupt, and then you think, well, yes. Uh, but at least we know it. Yeah, well, it's one of the things about it being about it being incredibly corrupt is the reason you know it's incredibly corrupt is that they've weeded out the people who are incredibly corrupt well, exactly and punished so. them. And exactly. you know, where where in in the in the uh, remit of this independent regulator, it's basically a uh, a license to tut. Is basically what it is. Yeah, it's basically just the independent regulator saying, you know, this isn't very good, is it? It's, it's, well, no, it's, it's very Come much. On. It's very much. My, my my friend <laughs> David Cooper's dad. Uh, when we came in very late one night to his house, and he was had work in the morning, it's very much his dad going. It's not good enough, David, is it? It's just not good enough, and yeah, that's no, all the power that. they will have. Just not good enough, is it? Yeah, but it's not really, good enough, no. not make any difference. And yeah. the Americans will hate regulation because it, that's almost written into the constitution of america that <laughs> regulating the the right to have as much money as you possibly can in in the most profiteering way is a good thing so that's going yeah. to be difficult um I, I i love it i would love it if it worked i've got to say i have no idea how it will work and really no. again we come back to something we've talked about before the only way we all these things would work is if the fans and this is what happened with the european super league if the fans stop going and just say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. But they never, yeah. ever do it. It'll never, yeah. ever happen because they'd rather have a programme from Reading away than protect their own game. I, 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 yeah. I, know, I know that sounds harsh, but it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Yeah, well, there's no point in having a, an independent regulator unless they can, do, they can regulate. Um, and basically what you've got is what they're proposing is an independent observer basically is what it is and it's some it's some um some fuel for um some articles that will lead to nothing well if you look at the list actually what's really interesting is it starts no european super league uh, intervention over badly run clubs tests for owners right these are three big things then, fan representation and protection of badges and shirts for home teams. And you think, yeah. the, these bottom two, I can see happening. The top three, I really can't see happening. And and that's why the bottom two are there, so they can say, well, we've so, already, to have some boxes that we've already ticked yeah, these boxes. All, yeah, yeah, look, yeah. Look at the look at the work we've already done. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Well, yeah, but, and and if um, if any if the Conservative government were were at all serious about doing anything about this, they'd have done it two years ago. And the reason they're doing it now is because they know that the things that they've made Prince Charles, King Charles, bless him, uh, say on their behalf, they're not going to have to. They're not going to have to uh, live up to those promises because they're going to be out. You know, I think. But it's but it's interesting why they've chosen that as one of their uh as one of their sort of major promises. And I think it's it's, it's, it's just crowd pleasing. It's it's a pretty. It's, well, yes, it's a it's a pretense that they have the feelings of the common footballing man, uh, and indeed Barry in their hearts. Um, I think we should take a break after that. You know, unceasing stream of negativity, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to help. Cheer yourselves up. We'll come back. In yeah, a I'm going to help Seven Trent to put more stuff in the rivers. Anyway, before we dwell any longer on the glamorous, high-end, exclusive nightclub birthday party venues of the Premier League, let us first consider the clowns and balloon animals and chicken nugget fights that the rest of us grit our teeth through on these occasions down in the Vanarama, the league beneath the league, which is where my team, Oldham Athletic, were up for the cup this week, along with many, but by no means all, of our Vanarama cohorts. Having managed to avoid the ignominy of failing to qualify for the first round of the FA Cup for the first time since 1900-something by knocking out Altrincham a few weeks back, our reward was a trip to South Wales to visit Newport County, although maybe less reward, more karmic punishment for some long-forgotten transgression that is now impossible to apologise for. It still sticks in the craw that 
that we could be playing Newport County, who spent a quarter of a century down here among the dead men between 1988 and 2013. And yet, if we beat them, we would be the non-league giant killers, like Leatherhead or Sutton. Or, oh no, Sutton are in the league now as well. Oh, God. You can't say Leatherhead without mentioning Chris Kelly, can you? The Leatherhead lip. The Leatherhead lip, yeah. Always got to be... There's nothing quite like the FA Cup for bringing this particular pain home to bear. It truly is the greatest tournament in the world. Blah, blah, fucking blah. So, Newport away, not exactly the glamour tie I was hoping for when the draw was made, which was away to AFC Wimbledon, because I could walk there from my house and wouldn't have to worry about parking. Now, I listened to this game, Newport Oldham, on BBC Wales, which is quite good. Of course, these lads knew all the Newport players and didn't seem to know any of ours. So when Oldham were in possession, they just talked about something else. Uh, But one of the commentators was clearly Welsh. You can always tell. They get excited when a shot goes over the bar. They think they've scored three points. Uh, The co-commentator, I think he was called Mark O'Brien, was, however, very Irish. Not only that, he sounded exactly like Owen Morgan. And since I also had the television on for the cricket in the background, where England were busy being... (laughs) pasted by Australia. This was rather unsettling. It was like one reality was leaking into another, like I was going to find myself in a baffling cinematic universe where Oldham could solve their abject lack of pace by bringing on Mark Wood, or where the England cricket team was suddenly, inexplicably, playing at a Vanarama level. Were you tempted at any stage to say, end (laughs) programme? (laughs) <laughs> it's, yes. It feels like something from the holodeck to me. The holodeck, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and it, just from a from a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do you see the the thing that Glenn Maxwell did yesterday? Having missed the game before, or a game one but one before, yeah. because he fell out of a golf cart on his head and was concussed. Yeah. Uh, which and then he's he's got 201 like some sort of superhero and it's like a sort of Marvel superhero origin story man falls out of golf court on his golf cart rather on his head and next thing you know he's a double centurion he's been he's been bitten by Don Bradman who's been buried (laughs) underneath the ground yeah yeah he's landed on the grave of yes exactly head first but still I was expecting uh, for the Newport game a few changes partly because new manager Mickey Mellon is still scouting out his new squad and partly because of suspensions, but apparently Vanarama suspensions don't count in the cup, which I didn't know. So Hogan, who was sent off last week, was on the bench, and Sharon, who has reached five bookings, was able to start. It didn't do as much good, because after James Norwood robbed the last man but put his attempted chip of the goalkeeper wide, Newport went ahead with a goal from right-back Shane McLaughlin. His first goal in the FA Cup, as the commentator shouted excitedly. His second goal in the FA Cup, incidentally, came in the second half and completed what sounded like a depressingly comfortable 2-0 win for the mighty Welsh EFL giants. Now, Oldham seemed to now be in a little repeating cycle of looking all right and then offering no threat at all in alternate games. But hopefully once Mickey Mellon has the measure of these players, he'll be able to get a tune out of them without having to bollock them for being shit every other game. He's already noticed, according to his post-match press remarks, that we need runners, hence the unloading of the largely statuesque stroller Ben Tollett to Kidderminster Harriers on loan this week. And apparently we need to use the ball better which may mean different players coming in altogether. He might be able to do that. I don't know. I'm not an expert. And so, as always happens, sooner or later, we find ourselves concentrating on the league. And it's just what league we're concentrating on that's the fucking problem. But still, <laughs> the magic yeah. of the you, fucking game. You very rarely hear a manager say, we need to use the ball worse, do you? It's, it's no, a very no. easy ne- thing to come up with. They never point that out. We're using no. the ball too well. We're too, too well. well. We it's look very, too good on the ball. We've got to stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. We're just running too far and too fast. <laughs> we just need to slow down. We just need to take it easier. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I've always liked, uh, uh, New- I like Newport for, for two main reasons. One, long way in the past, which is when they got to the quarterfinal of the Cup Winners' Cup with Tommy Tynan and John Aldridge yeah. playing up front. Yeah, and also, yeah. I, I like Rodney Parade because it sounds like an awful sort of Peckham porn mag. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> for some, some strange reason. And we it sounds still, like we, a character in the Jilly Cooper book. 
It does, yeah. Uh, Stoke, Stoke. Centre forward, nil. Rodney Parade. Yeah, Rodney Parade. Uh, enjoy it. Um, now, Stoke drew nil nil with Cardiff, so we were playing a, a South Walian. I don't, is that the thing? Team as well. Um, Let's uh, but, pretend that it but, is. Yeah. yeah, but we 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 got away with that because we'd won the previous three, and and yeah. and everybody was pleased that the manager was honest enough to say, well, that was a tough game, but tough games will come along. In the way that if we'd have lost the three before that, it would have been he needs to die now. Um, that's <laughs> the way the, the, the fans are. So well, no, if you if we lost the three games before, then a nil nil draw will be turning the corner. We've turned the corner now. Uh, well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't be done. So many corners aren't they but we tend to turn the corner like a henry vacuum cleaner i really <laughs> badly uh, although i it looks like we're going to be good at it uh, but, but but we never are yeah you look like you've got the equipment the wheels and yeah stuff. yeah it's round yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> now look, listen i gather that you've been oh you're blowing your nose now as if to prove the point glad you've been under the weather over the I've weekend i didn't the, see any yes. football apart from the stoke game so it, yeah. it falls to me to to bring you up to speed with a few things i think yeah um, uh, although it's thing, always it always falls to you to bring me up to speed <laughs> a few things, to be fair. Yeah. Well, OK. But um, <laughs> the big thing that came out of the Saturday evening game between Newcastle and Arsenal was a proper tantrum by Mikel Arteta, Captain Black, the Arsenal manager. Um, he branded the decision not to rule out Anthony Gordon's winning goal an absolute disgrace. And I like that he branded it. You know, that's that's what you should do with, with things you like brand that. Things, but, so, um, yeah, you yeah. brand them or you dub them. You dub yeah. it an absolute disgrace or you brand yeah. it, but branding feels more like well, do, you're, can you you're, declare? you're angrier. You can declare, can't you? <laughs> you can declare, but then you've, you not, you've not taken it. a side, really, have you, then? If you brand it, you're, you're, it's, it's done you wrong. It's done. <laughs> and you're yeah, punishing okay, it. But anyway, and he said that the VAR was nowhere near good enough for this to be described as the best league in the world. He felt sick, ashamed and embarrassed. And now... I don't know if you saw it uh, at all, but it was a messy goal. There's no doubt about it. The ball seemed very... And not one by Messi, no, you know, just no, a messy Clearly, clearly the not. Ball, <laughs> the ball seemed very close to going out, but maybe it didn't go out before Joe Willett crossed it in. Certainly the VAR couldn't, you know, come down one side or the other. Uh, Joe Linton jumped with Gabriel, who ended up falling forwards as though he might have been pushed. The ball might have come off Joe Linton's arm or Gabriel's back to Gordon, who might have been offside. And there were three lengthy, VAR checks, which took a bloody age, but none of them came up with a conclusive reason to deny the goal, so it counted. And when pressed as to why it should have been disallowed, which of the VAR decisions was an absolute disgrace, Arteta was unable or unwilling to say. He just thought it looked like it shouldn't have been a goal. Mm. Is basically what he said. It was a gut feeling, is basically what he's saying. And I, 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 I've seen, I've seen, I've, sorry, I've seen a couple of stills and and the and yeah. the ball being out of play, which VAR said they hadn't got the right angle to definitively say that it was, which is yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, reminded me very much of uh, that, that Japanese goal in the World Cup, yes, where yes, it there looked was one. to everybody, but then suddenly, if you put a, a, a photograph from a satellite a billion miles <laughs> yeah. up in the sky, yeah, yeah. It, it had its its it it, 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 it like it, part of it was kind of casting a shadow onto yeah, yeah. the line. And that's enough. And I think I think in that case, it meant that the Germans got knocked out. So it was, you know, everyone was really on the side of the... But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of crap about this uh, Joe, this um, Joe Willock thing. Um, you can't tell. You can't tell. I mean, basically, you have to rely on the linesman to do the job that... The, the assistant referee, rather, to do the job that linesmen have, all have always done, which is if that if they think it's out, they put the flag up. And if they don't, then they don't. Um, you know, it's, it's ludicrous to think that because of this... This incident, there should be like, the, or we, we should have goal line technology like we have for the goal line when it goes in the yeah. goal. So but it, you can't have thing. cameras all over the bloody pitch. It's just absurd. No, that, that's true. Let me let me ask you something because, as I said, I have not seen it. So, was the linesman in that half of the uh, of the pitch on that side? Yeah, I was that on the far, I no, was on the far yeah, side. Well, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. And you just fucking get on with it, don't yeah. you? I mean, yeah. it's just... Ah, anyway, I mean, I, I think it's... Uh, for once, the story I don't think is about a VAR mistake, you know, although it certainly looked like it could have been a foul. But and for what it's worth, I was watching it in a pub with an Arsenal fan who's a friend of my son's um, who was actually incensed with Gabriel, 
the defender for throwing himself to the ground instead of instead of heading the ball and that it wasn't you know it looked it because anything can look like a push because they put your hand they put your hands out to stop yourself from smashing into the other but if that if the defender then throws himself to the ground then yeah. you know that's a that's a different thing and that's what my arsenal fan friend thought had happened that gabriel and, had and, tried and, to get a foul and increasingly that is something that defenders do and you oh, say yeah yeah, you know what, what you're doing there. I mean, that horrible business of of shepherding the ball out, waiting to feel a touch, and then grabbing the ball and demanding yeah. a free kick. Uh, that 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 drives me mad. I mean, I think uh, Arteta was certainly right to say that he was embarrassed because it was embarrassing uh, it was. what he did. And, well, and, and the story really isn't about smelt. the VAR. No, it's about the tantrum. The story is yeah, the yeah. tantrum. And Arsenal issued a statement uh, backing Arteta's remarks, suggesting the game needed to move on from excuses and attempted explanations and apologies, calling the refereeing unacceptable, referencing VAR errors, plural. Um, and this is different to Arteta's outburst, which was at least in the heat of the moment uh, and, and, and you know, obviously irrational. Uh, this Arsenal statement seriously undermining the the game isn't it seriously undermining PGMOL seriously undermining the game absolutely and from and from a club that that kind of hold themselves above all of that sort of thing I mean all, all I could think of when they issued this, issued this statement was it's like his parents going up the school isn't it it's like his parents <laughs> going up the school and saying this is not right no come on yeah. hey our Mikel he, he wouldn't lie. You know, it was all that sort of stuff. Yeah, wasn't? yeah, yeah. It was just awful. And then they've got yeah, the fans well, groups. The fans groups are trying to get kind of get Neville banned from commentating on Arsenal games. It's got nothing to fucking do with you. <laughs> Why do fans insist that they have this right to claim these things as if it's... I, I find that baffling, absolutely yeah, baffling. No, it's baffling. It is baffling. And, you know, there is, um, you know, widespread agreement within the game and from those watching it that the standard of refereeing uh, is less than it could or should be. But what is Howard Webb supposed to do about it? Is he supposed to, you know, they say, oh, Howard Webb, the refereeing standard is not good enough. You know, what is he supposed to do? How is he going to find referees? He's going to will referees into being better. What's he going to do? Where are the referees who are better than these ones? And Absolutely. if there were any referees that were better than these ones, they would be, got, they would be doing the fucking job. Yeah. Absolutely right. And there's a number of things in that which are, you know, do you think the referees are wantonly uh, being biased? Well, no, I don't think anybody thinks that. Do you think that uh, um, uh, that, uh, that 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 referees should always get things right just because it goes to VAR? No. And Or do you think that refereeing is a really hard thing to do in the rough and tumble and, and speed of the modern game? Which is true. And I think, I mean, the funny thing was, of course, uh, Postelegu uh, at Tottenham had, had, had said, no, <laughs> Postelegu. Uh, okay. That is my new name for him. Uh, yeah, uh, near enough. I'm allowed my own name. <laughs> Listen, my mother and father used to go to the Stoke Games with me and they never pronounced one player's name right in the whole time I went with them, <laughs> which is like 30 years. Um, yeah. But 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 it did feel a little bit like, and we've had this conversation before about with Ange, that it was, it was like when the Scotland fans started stopped causing trouble to make the England fans look worse. If you remember yeah, that, that sort yeah, of yeah. post-77 era when they went, oh, no, we're all fun and we have a great time. Look at the England fans. Aren't they horrible? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. When they used to march around at the uh, march around at the World Cup going, we're the best behaved supporters, supporters in the world. Supporters in the land. All, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. sort of uh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Postacoglu came out, didn't he, after the game on, uh, against Chelsea on Monday, which we'll come to, which, um, you know, five disallowed goals, two red cards, nine prolonged VAR checks and his take on the thing was that referees decisions should be respected and warned about a constant erosion of the referees authority and I think you know it's an attitude it's not really shared by uh, a lot of people, but it's it's certainly uh, a rational and compassionate <laughs> view yeah. uh, because referees are trying to operate now under the greatest scrutiny there has ever been, yeah. and you know obviously um, you can see you can see that some of them are 
are kind of rather sort of weak-mindedly leaving decisions to VAR because there is VAR. Uh, and unfortunately, the VAR is being operated by the same people. So that's not going to be a natural step up of, of quality. But yeah, there, I mean, there wasn't only Postacoglu. There was, um, I saw in the paper, a quote from uh, Brian Clough many years ago, blaming, uh, berating John Motson and blaming TV punditry for putting referees under too much pressure because there's already enough pressure from 30,000 uh, in the crowd and from 22 players and said that it was TV's responsibility to overemphasize how difficult it is to referee a game and to, just to say over and over again this is fucking hard and, to do and, you know? and 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 for all his opinionated views he always stuck to that and he would yeah. he would he would discipline his own players for getting booked for for dissent he would take players off sometimes you know he absolutely did not play that game. I always, I, I always yeah. say about Roy Keane. People say about Roy Keane being, you know, uh, you know, uh, the enforcer and the player that did this, that, and the yeah. other. I said when he was at Forest, didn't do any of that yeah. stuff. He didn't, didn't do that, that stuff. stuff. No. He wasn't grabbing people by the throat and pushing them no. out on the pitch because no. Clough wouldn't have allowed it. No, and I do think that you know always when uh, when people managers particularly speak out about referees, there's always a, a subtextual game going on where you know Arteta is not he knows this game has gone this Newcastle game, but he wants in the referee's mind oh I don't want to upset him, you know he wants next time. He, he's talking. He's thinking about next time, you know. Don't I don't want uh, and and similarly, you know, Postecoglou was you know the, the referee will be thinking, well, Postecoglou, he's he's the fair one. I'll be nice to him, you know. There's there's definitely a sub subtextual games going on. Yeah, and it's the same with play, it's just the same with players that go, you know, fifteen years without a booking. They're less likely to ever get a booking after that because they become yeah. the player that doesn't get booked. You know, it's like I think Charlton was booked once and uh, um, and Lineker not at all, and it becomes mm. a self fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? Because you think, well, this person's making my job easier, and so therefore uh, I'm not going to be too harsh on them. And you know, and you, that's that is that's un that's that's that's. Subconscious bias, but it's not of the, of the worst sort. I saw I saw yeah. that Arteta had said, "I have a duty to defend my club," and I thought, you know, Clough would say, "You've just raised Clough." Clough would say, "I have a duty to defend my game." You know, yeah, that to defend actually, the game. Exactly. I don't want to cause any more shit. This is difficult enough, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, they really should pick their battles. I think. Um, you know, they, this was a this was a really uh, as complicated and um, difficult a decision for for the, the referee and for VAR to make as there's as there's been. It's not like the the Liverpool Spurs one where Diaz it was a line call and they got that wrong and he just said the wrong words. You know, he saw the VAR saw it was offside, just didn't say the right words. And and you know, it was an obvious howler. This was not. This was not an obvious howler. And you know, for Arsenal to be going, we shouldn't be indulging in uh, a retrospective analysis. You know, what the fuck is this then? Well, <laughs> Releasing a statement. Uh, well, you you know, analysing yes. the refereeing. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and it, you know, and it is not that this is enshrined in football folklore, but it's as far from jumpers for goalposts as you could possibly get. You know, it's oh, the yeah. idea of a simple game that really is just about, you know, having a good time and it's simple enough. And, you know, yeah, yeah. You, if we could decide between ourselves what made a dead good goal uh, in a game of three <laughs> and in, heaven knows <laughs> there should be a way of deciding uh, other things. Um but I the, never used the, to try and get a dead good goal. I used to rely on headers and volleys. Headers and volleys, yeah, yeah. Dead. Well, dead good goal was a was a it was a very fluid term. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a, it was like a tiebreaker, wasn't it? It was like a sort of yeah, uh, a, argument yeah. diffuser. Yeah. I mean, there were uh, there were um, you know uh, there was a lot of VAR this weekend, as there is every weekend. I mean, poor old Gary O'Neill got another got shafted with another bloody uh, last minute 10th minute of injury time penalty and you think uh, poor old Gary O'Neill doesn't feel the need to to throw his toys out of the pram and well, he really shouldn't he really shouldn't have any toys left in his pram I think. No. Well, but Gary, Gary O'Neill must be pleased, Chris, with the fact that, as I've seen, and I like to look at statistics because I think they're more important than just getting a feel for the game, that Wolves <laughs> have the second most take-ons in Europe's top five leagues. 
I don't know what the they second are. Most, the second most take ons. Take ons. Take ons. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. This side oh, from, 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 yeah. from a wolf supporter. So, so that's that like going to give him. It's like a vegetable, is it? Some sort I've of no man. idea. Oh, but no. it's got to give him some some consolation, hasn't well, it? Some, in a diff- yeah, a difficult time. Yeah, and now the Newcastle Arsenal was obviously the big headline game on the Sunday, but the the big game of the weekend really was the Spurs Chelsea on the Monday, uh, on the Monday evening football. And it was an extraordinary game. I was going to watch only Connect and then tune in at half time, but when I switched the television <laughs> on, it was still on the Sports Channel from when I was watching the cricket earlier, and Spurs were just scoring the opener, and I couldn't I couldn't look away from it. I was it was it was. A thrilling thing, and uh, you know, apologies to uh, Victoria Corin Mitchell, and and congratulations on their new baby, by the way. But I imagine she listens. You know, why wouldn't she? I mean, I watch her show. And when yeah. she was a student, Victoria, do you know this? That uh, she directed the first amateur production of An Evening with Galinica. Did you know that? Oh, I after know I went that, to see, no? after, after I went to see it, it was pretty good. But anyway, Spurs were just ripping Chelsea up to begin with, and and uh, scored a goal after five minutes, had a second narrowly disallowed, and then some something happened. Something happened. Romero lost his head, kicked out, should have been sent off. Then he was sent off. There was a penalty equaliser, and then a bad second half in which Udogi was also sent off, and Spurs were defending. Practically, their defensive line was practically in Chelsea's half. It was just absurd. But but nine against eleven, and they were holding them. And Chelsea were looking increasingly ragged, increasingly sort of desperate. Um, and Vicaria was brilliant as a sort of sweeper keeper. And Chelsea kept just trying the same thing: the one ball over the top, getting caught offside. And then, but of course, eventually, <laughs> they scored. Though they scored from that. And City scored six without Haaland. Uh, scoring at all and he went off injured didn't he and it was all oh how long is he going to be out for oh it's a disaster but back on Tuesday evening in the Champions League of course and asked for his shirt at half time by the skipper of Young Boys Burn who is uh, Mohammed Ali Kamara and apparently several of the young boys were planning a camping trip and he wanted to make a tent out of it but um, half time swap shirts at half time wonder what the kit manager thought don't you you know, mind you, if you're only wearing a shirt for a half, then, you know, you're not so much a kit manager as a kit dispenser, aren't you? A continuous kit dispenser. Yeah. But it's not 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 unheard of. I know that Gascoigne swapped his shirt in Euro 96 with, uh, I think it might have been Craig Burley or somebody, I can't remember who it was, and then swapped yeah. again with Ali McCoist at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, um, really? Uh, well, yeah, you imagine yeah, yeah. Erling Haaland going, you can have my shirt, it will not reduce my power. <laughs> but I was I was rather hoping that Mohamed Al-Kamra, uh, now I don't, I'd be honest with you, you know where he's from, but had to pull a sign out of his pants saying, can I have your shirt? Please can I have your shirt? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> half a cardboard he box. That he, he, didn't know, yeah, he didn't know the English for it. Um, yeah. but that's, well, that's you know, at him. what point is it a booking is what I want to know. You know, taking your shirt off before leaving the pitch, coming back for the second half without a shirt on, that's definitely a booking. But why didn't Mohammed Ali Kamara come on with Haaland's shirt on in the second half? That would have been cool. I'm pretty sure that an Oldham player once gave his shirt to someone in the crowd after a game and then was told to go and get it back because they couldn't afford <laughs> to give them away. Oh, quite and right. I, yeah, I remember meeting, I may have told you this, I met, I met earlier in the year uh, Alex McLeish, uh, ran at Tom Craig's, who's a friend of Tom's, and we spoke about the great Scotland-Brazil game from the 1982 World Cup in Spain when David Nery put the Scots ahead with a thunderbolt, but they ended up losing 4-1. And McLeish was uh, was really cheesed off. He said, it shouldn't have been four. That was really harsh. It shouldn't have been four. We only conceded the last goal because seven Scottish players were marking Zico, <laughs> jockeying for <laughs> position, to get his shirt at full time. <laughs> Yeah. And so everyone else was free as a bird, but still. Different times, son. Different times. Yeah, yeah. Times. <laughs> You've got yeah, to say. Yeah. And so um, there were um, there were other yeah there were other things that you missed in your in your from your sick bed. Um, do you see that Luton Liverpool uh, Darwin Nunes has been bigged up a bit in the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? Scored a brilliant goal apparently in the Carabao Cup, which I haven't been able to see. Um, and he was apparently the man in form now. This despite him hitting the post when clean through in the Liverpool derby. But he's so fast and he's so strong and he's so dangerous and he's finally justifying the transfer fee. Nine shots he had against Luton, some of which required a, a decent saves from the Luton keeper, but also a ballooned effort from a couple of feet out that you just couldn't believe and which arguably cost Liverpool the points. So which is the real 
Darwin Nunes, the, the scorer of brilliant goals, or the the barn door protector. Well, but, we come you know. we come back to something I've asserted to you before that that you do get players like that, and ours was, and and uh, heaven knows I I like Dave Regis, but when Dave Regis used to get the ball for Stoke, me and my mates always go, is it going to be the extremely skillful? football player that receives the good ball or is it going to be gentleman farmer um <laughs> dave regis because it, it just seemed like it was either one he'd either be as if he'd never seen a ball before or just so <laughs> instinctive and wonderful and i hope he, he will forgive me for that but that's how it used to feel at the time and i particularly like the idea of him being a gentleman farmer anyway <laughs> yeah no i uh, well just and so just one last thing from the weekend um, the magic of the cup. Did you see the amazing thing, uh, Swindon Aldershot? Uh, the visitors became the first non-league team to score seven against league opposition. Three up after nine minutes, seven up before Swindon woke up and then got four back. And I bet there were some Aldershot fans looking at their watches when that fourth one went in, in injury time. Oh, it only takes a second to score a goal. <laughs> and, you know, in my mind, Swindon had a great start to the season, didn't they? I thought they scored bags of goals in, like, the I first four or five games. I think they've been doing all right, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Aldershot, Aldershot, we thrashed Aldershot 5-1 earlier in the season, and now they're above us because of oh, so, the So now, uh, now, are we going to now go for that game that you've just done with Man City and Wolves and oh, the, all the, those uh, teams? Where, uh, I, football you, sh- yeah. you should strictly be in. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, we beat Aldershot 5-1, which means that we sh- we should then beat Swindon by nine seven t- by 20. <laughs> All right, okay, I've got you. I've got you. <laughs> That's um, football maths. You can't argue with that. <laughs> that is that is football maths. I'm going to I'm going to just finish off with a final um a Jilly Cooper possible comment. Uh, he slipped him in. I'll go for. And also, um, one of your favourite people, or he certainly was about a year ago, Will Still, who's the manager, I think, of Lille, is he? Or, or Leon. Oh, Lille, yes, the guy with no qualifications. Yeah, the yes. guy who, who yes. just played football manager for years. And That's right, yeah, yeah. Does brilliant, brilliantly. He that said, 29-year-old uh, lad, yeah. Yeah, and he said that uh, when they played PSG, um, in Paris, uh, that what he he got his coaches to uh, referee a game between his uh, presumably, I imagine attack versus defence because that's as far as my imagination goes, uh, and he got his coaches to ref it really badly. So that they'd know what it was going to be like when they got to the Parc de Prince. <laughs> and I thought that excellent. was excellent work. And he didn't tell that them. Is. And they were going, What's going? This is. Di-. And he goes, And then they got back in and he went, Okay, so that's you prepared for Sunday. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 